This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohn and Shane Dale. And you know what? It may be the end of June, but I'm really excited for this episode. We have a lot to talk about, even though there's, let's be honest, there's no Arizona sports teams that are still You're playing. You're always worried there's nothing, give me nothing to talk about. And we always got plenty in the offseason, don't we? Yes, we do. And we have a great guest this week, Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. You know, Shane likes to say that I, you know, overly praise every guest we have on, which may be true. But I'll tell you what, collegefootballnews.com is my favorite college football website that I go to on a weekly basis. Hey, it helps me give out some winning betting picks, right, Shane? I mean, we saw last year I had a pretty good year picking games. So basically I, you're using all, all of their picks. and I like to, I read, I read the info mm-hmm. and then I... Formulate my own opinion. The, the term we like to use in in the, in the journalism world is aggregate. You aggregate yes. their, their opinions. Yeah, yes. not plagiarize. I don't plagiarize. I aggregate. No, of course that, not. Aggregate. That's, that's, a, that's a great mm-hmm. term. I really like that. Uh, all right. Well, let's get right to it, Shane. Uh, great show ahead. And there was something I promised last week in Buy or Sell. It's not quite Buy or Sell, but we'll get right to it. All right. This is our first segment that we usually call Buy or Sell, which is presented by Ice Shaker. Check them out at icesshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country capital W, capital C, and get $5 off. If you don't have one yet, they're great for the summer. I take mine out on the golf course every single time. You probably should get one of these things, whether it's the half-gallon one that that's sitting behind Shane and I in our respective bookshelves. If it's the other one that Shane usually drinks out of or is sitting behind me, they're awesome. Yeah, they, they keep your cold stuff cold, and if you're – Want to be crazy in the summer and, and drink something hot out of one of these? They keep it hot too. I drink coffee out of this that's been sitting for an hour and it was still piping hot uh, by air by, by air time by by the time we recorded this. So they really do work. Um, not just saying that because they're our sponsor. They, it, they it, really- it, look if we didn't like them, we wouldn't they, we wouldn't keep using. They are outstanding. All right. So last week I said we're going to do grade the coaching hires and. When Shane and I started this podcast in August of 2020, this was the the second going of of Wildcat Country that used to be on radio with you and Jeff Dean. And we've done this for almost three years, which is crazy. We had four new coaches hired in in the next year, which just gave us loads to talk about. Can I just say, by the way, way, I just got a Facebook message. You know how on Facebook it says you have memories from how many years ago? I had a a memory from six years ago where I actually put on Facebook. Do you know someone who could create a logo for a new radio show? And of course, that was Wildcat Country. So six years ago, the, it was in a, still in its infancy. And then here, here Eric and I are today. All right. Uh, first one, uh, Shane, just grade the coaching hire and give just a brief explanation of each. Jed Fish. Solid A. I, I mean, it's weird because he's, what, six and 18 in two seasons at Arizona. But of course, you got to consider the, the the situation and and his recruiting efforts uh, his ability to uh to great hire great coaches and keep most of them to this point I know there's been some turnover like always and then the results on the field uh, sooner than we might have thought uh bringing in some great transfers who helped Arizona win right away uh in Jane Delora and Jacob Cowing and some others uh he's recruited very well T Mac uh, Jacob Manu both from Servite who both had a major uh, uh major contributions this past season so uh it, it's it's again it, it 
it's not like everyone's looking to poach Jed Fish from Arizona right now. He's lost three quarters of his games, but you, you take a look at the state of affairs after Kevin Sumlin was done uh, burning this program to the ground. Jed Fish has done a great job. Uh, it doesn't turn a corner, not turned a corner yet, but he's very close to turning a corner. And uh, as long as he continues on the same trajectory, you got a tougher schedule this year. Uh, I don't see why he can't continue to be successful. Look at you giving an A right off the bat. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a B plus. Uh, I know that Shane and I, when in December of 2020, were critical when when Jed was the hire. We're like, who is this guy? Yep. He has changed the culture of Arizona football. Uh, what he has done, and we had him on, you know, before I ever coached a game, and you know, he brought that enthusiasm and got us excited. The first year was really bad to watch. We know that he didn't have the players. Last year was a lot more fun. I can't give him an A until I see him get make a bowl game. So I'm not there yet. Right now, um, I am going to stick with uh, a B plus. So that's we're gonna that's go- fair. And I, and I will say my one criticism is I, I have questioned some of his play calling at times, including the last game they played against ASU. It took him, I think, a lot longer than it should have to realize that they needed to pound the ball, keep running it. Um, even ASU fans at halftime, I was looking on Twitter, like, why aren't you guys running the ball more? Why aren't, cause we can't stop it. And then he got to it in the second half. So I think maybe he's a little too stubborn for his own good from time to time in terms of play calling, but that's the only criticism. And it doesn't prevent me from giving him a solid day for the, what he's done with this program in very little time. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, how can you not be impressed? I can't imagine that any Arizona fan will give dead fish lower than a B. Honestly, you can't from based on what he took over. All right. How about Tommy Lloyd, Shane? Uh, are you giving him an A as well? I'll give him an A minus, and the minus isn't for the NCAA tournament games or the you know, the lack thereof. It's more because I still want to see what he can do when it's entirely his team, which we'll get to see this season. Uh, and still in today's you know, today's uh, NIL world and transfer portal world, uh, it, is it is it really anyone's team? You know, Caleb Love and Jaden Bradley and and Keisha Johnson are all coming from different programs, uh, but. This is still his team. It's all guys that he's brought to Arizona, as opposed to even last season when you had Tubelis and Creesa. Those guys are gone now. So uh, I'm still kind of in wait-and-see mode uh, from that perspective. I actually think I might do a little bit better um, in the postseason with 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 only his guys. But uh, it, the postseason is such a crapshoot. We, we've talked about that before. And I think last season's team, it's it, this is really – it's a guard-first League, it's a guard first tournament, the NCAA tournament, and Arizona just wasn't equipped to compete uh, from that regard. So the minus isn't for that. It's just because I want to see what he can do when it's all his guys. All right. Uh, this one, I'd almost want to give two separate grades. I'm going to give uh, Tommy Lloyd overall a B because I'd give him a D in the NCAA tournament and I'd give him an A for the regular season. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to give him more weight on the regular season and what he's done transforming his roster in the offseason, I'll give him a solid B. Now, if he were to find a way to get this team, you know, to the Elite Eight or beyond this year, obviously the Final Four, that goes up to an A. Then then the past two yeah. years have been forgotten. The reason why I, I don't put as much emphasis on the postseason, even though I am as desperate for Arizona get, to get back to a Final Four as any Arizona alum, I am desperate to see that, is that you take a look at, at Lou Olson era and you pick out any two years, sometimes – there wasn't a lot to cheer for there either. You go back to 92 and 93, they lost as a three seed and a two seed in the first round in consecutive years. There are a lot of instances like that. Now in between they had final fours and a national championship. So we forget all mostly about the the bad stuff. So to me, it's about uh, how he does in the grand scheme of things, Tommy Lloyd. And it's been two years, two mostly disappointing years in the NCAA tournament, obviously disappointing this past season, but I'm not going to hold that against him just yet. Chip Hale, Shane. Um, I I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. Well, I got to give him a C. 
because I the the offense has been great, although they did lose a as a Mac Bingham to the transfer portal. Um, pitching He'll has been pro. lacking. He'll go pro though. Yeah, the, yeah. Go. Well, and, and the the pitching has has been awful. That they did land a great uh, transfer from uh, seems from Pepperdine, um, who should. Uh, be uh, be instant uh, starter and 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 be and put together some good innings for Arizona, but yeah, the results haven't been there. I mean, they really backdoored their way into a very controversial um, regionals appearance. I'm still glad that they made it, but uh, they just snuck in. Uh, I think this is a program, like I've said before, that should be at the very least regionals every single year. Maybe not College World Series every single year. I think that's a bit too much to ask, but to be on the cusp is is not where you want them to be now again i still think he deserves more time he deserves at least a third season and i'd like to see some progress be made especially with the new coaches brought in um but i i can't give him any higher than a c at this point because results just overall haven't been there yeah i'm actually going to agree with you i'm going to give him a c because he has made the the ncaa tournament in his first two years so you have to it doesn't matter how you get in the fact is you look at the resume it's two ncaa tournament appearances in two years so i get that the recruiting hasn't been there. The offense has been fun. The pitching has been dreadful. There's nothing more that I can say that would be different than what you said. I think a C is a very accurate grade. So uh, we've got, uh, you you know, an A, a B, and a C. Or no, you've got two A's and a C. Where do you put uh, Caitlin Love? I'd give her a B. It's kind of the, the same. Uh, her story is kind of the same as Chip's. Uh, the hitting's been there. The pitching hasn't been. Uh, and again, I, I go back to, I know Arizona is a, if there's such a thing as a blue blood softball program, Arizona is one of them, but they just weren't as good in the last decade or so with the Mike Candrea era. And so it's not just that easy to get it back to where it was because Mike Candrea himself really wasn't able to do that. Um, with that said, Arizona's brought in some great pitchers um, out of high school that I think are, are going to help turn things around. The hitting's there. Uh, I'm kind of the same way as I am with, with Chip Hale. I, I think give her at least one more year to turn things around. I think she'll be fine. I'm going to say B minus here. You got to give her a little bit more credit than Chip Hale because she made the uh, college or the women's college world series uh, two years ago. She backdoored in as far as a team that wasn't really that great, but got hot at the right time. But you have to weigh that in there. She's gotten further than by far anyone, any other program of the, of the, you know, bigger sports programs outside of Arizona women's basketball over the last, you know, five years. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I, I will say missing regionals altogether for, for baseball. It's one thing. It's not good for softball. It is completely unacceptable. And That's and, and for it to happen a, a second straight year, there's going to be some questions. I don't think it's going to, um, but that's just not something that could happen long-term uh, for Arizona softball. I think that at minimum expectation for me every year for Arizona softball is super regionals. So if you're watching us on the YouTube stream, uh, we always appreciate comments on there. What would you grade the head coaches? Are Shane and I off? Let us know. We appreciate our, some of the page. comments. Most of them. And we'll get Most to one of them. them here shortly. Number two, Shane and buy or sell Phil Steele. Uh, I just got his magazine in the mail today. I absolutely love it. We're going to hopefully have him on the show for yep. the third straight year coming up. The guru when it comes to college football and preseason publications, he projects Arizona to have the worst pass scoring and total defenses in the country, like dead last. Would you take that bet? Oh boy. You know, it. I'd be tempted to dismiss this if it didn't come straight from Phil Steele who we hoped, like you said, we hope to have on again soon to preview Arizona football. So let's look at last year. Arizona was 112 out of 131 FBS teams in pass defense. Uh, They were 125 in total defense, and they were tied for 125 in scoring defense. If you think Arizona's defense didn't improve in the offseason, especially with some guys leaving for the transfer portal, and you factor in a tougher schedule, then I guess it's reasonable to think they'll be last in all of those categories. 
I just don't see it. I don't think they're going to be quite that bad. I think last season was a tricky marriage between guys who came to play for Don Brown and then ended up playing for Johnny Nansen instead. And a lot of those guys have moved on now. Obviously, there's some young talent, including Jacob Manu, who should only improve uh, this season. They added some decent transfers of their own uh, up front. So you got guys who really want to play for Johnny Nansen going forward, know what to expect from him. And I don't think you can overstate the importance of adding Dwayne Aquino to the staff. I think he's going to help squeeze every last drop from this defense. So no, I don't think they're going to be last in every category, though I do admit that, that reading that from Phil Steele himself causes me some concern. All right, so the thing about Phil Steele's formulas is everything is mathematical it doesn't account for the Dwayne Aquina factor it doesn't account for the Justin mm. Flo the Bill Norton transfers you know the the improvement of Jacob Manu so I, I'm gonna sell this I, I'm not saying Arizona's gonna have a great defense they're probably still gonna be within the bottom third or bottom quarter of all teams in college football this year yeah. unless unless they do something that we just don't expect but this is they are not anywhere near you can't there's no way they're gonna be anywhere close to the bottom as far as I'm concerned what did Again. Phil have uh, Arizona's win total at last season before going into the season? What did he have him at three? I, I, I Three or four. I want to say three. So he underestimated them last year. Maybe he'll do so again, but he is um, not. I, I will tell you this. I hate to spoil it for those. Uh, and we'll, we'll obviously talk to him. He does not have Arizona making a bowl game in the majority of his sets of power rankings. Well, I wouldn't think so. If you have him last in all those defensive categories. Well, yeah, exactly. All right. So on our YouTube pages, number three, uh, we had a, a fellow named Kip Bennett. He told me that I was crazy for not thinking uh, Arizona would win at least nine games a season. Um, so Shane, buy or sell, I'm crazy for not believing in our team that much. Well, you're crazy, but not for that reason. Uh, but the the comment remind, from uh, from Kip, our friend Kip, reminds me of our friend Joe Tafoya, who expected six wins in Jed Fish's first season, remember? And that wasn't yeah. necessarily because of the talent on the team, but because he thinks we should always expect more, which was a fair point. Fair point, yeah. I said before that I think this team could be better than last season's team and still end up with five wins, maybe six, because they have a tougher schedule. And I think the rest of the Pac-12 – has collectively improved as much as Arizona has, if not more so, especially when you look at the quarterback lineup in this conference. It's absolutely stacked. Uh, I think the offense will be better. The defense may be marginally better, but not significantly, if you don't believe Phil Steele. Um, and you have a tougher schedule that includes Mississippi State on the road, five Pac-12 road games. The Territorial Cup is always on the road uh, in odd-numbered years. For me personally, six wins and the lowest level bowl game you could think of would be my definition of a successful season when you can take all those things into consideration. And if the team continues on the trajectory it's on, maybe we can talk nine wins the following season. But for now, I'm sticking with five or six. All right. I, I The ceiling that I can see, I mean, just everything going right, I mean, perfectly is eight wins. I, I cannot find any scenario that, you know, Arizona the definite win losses. More than uh at usc yeah. is one um I, I i'm sorry i just can't see this team beating washington at this point uh i think i would say that's one of them um i think at mississippi state i want to be able to, to think that but you're this team's probably not ready to go on the road uh and and utah? probably from there yeah pro i mean utah at home depending on if cam rising is fully healthy you know what's crazy uh, is two years ago they gave utah a run for the money in tucson i mean that was back when they, they had did. no one they did I, you know also I, I know at colorado I, i'm gonna buy into the dion effect probably more than i should mm -hmm. but yeah i to me best you know and obviously you can make an argument that maybe they they beat utah and then lose to colorado 
I just don't think they win them all. So I, I just can't see nine games. You know, I can play with different scenarios. Those are three games that I just can't see. And then outside of that, in all likelihood, the ceiling is probably seven games and the floor is probably four, in my opinion. I think that's about right. Yeah. And again, I, I think I think Arizona could be five and seven again this season and actually improve. But just because of the circumstances, including the schedule, uh, we may you may have to wait at least another year to get to a bowl game. If Arizona does not make a bowl game this year, I, I probably am going to be disappointed. Not going to lie. I'm not saying that that's fair, but I'd probably be disappointed. All right. Coming up next, uh, let's talk to Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. I'm sure a great interview is ahead here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Shane, always glad to have on the publisher of one of my favorite websites. He writes so much on a yearly basis. I don't know how he has time to even have a family at this rate. Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com. Pete, first of all, glad to have you on once again. You came on with us last year, so glad to have you on to talk Arizona football. And I, I hate to give away the lead right away, but you have Arizona making a bowl game this year, which some people don't. What was kind of the convincing factor to you that has the Wildcats getting over the hump for the first time in quite a while? Forever. Uh, well, first of all, it, you got to assume that they're going to take that next step up and they're going to start playing. They, they, they were they were on the trajectory last year. All of a sudden, you, you could kind of see the lines were starting to come together. You could kind of see a semblance of an offense. It's going to be a thing. And look, you beat a UCLA. You showed the, the ability that, OK, something might be happening there now. It stinks to lose a couple of your you know, star players in the world of transfer portal and NIL, which you know, you guys, you know, need to raise the NIL cap. You're Arizona, by the way. You should be able to, like, you know, you know, raise some funds somewhere to keep some of these guys. That's all, that's the, all reserved for basketball, Pete. That, yeah, you could take Keyshawn Johnson from uh, the city, you know, San Diego State here. For, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, it's in that the team's just getting better and uh, just stronger. And you just look at the schedule right now and, you know, start with, like, look, Northern Arizona, UTEP, at Stanford, uh, even though Oregon State's good, that's a home game. At Colorado, out of that bunch, you got a base of at least four wins, possibly five, and then you got to assume it's somewhere along the way, maybe at Washington State, maybe UCLA again at home. Yeah, that there's going to be one of those kind of weird games that they're going to lose, one of those weird games they're going to win, and then it probably comes right down to who wins the uh, territorial against Arizona State at the end there. So uh, it's the, set the line at about five and a half of win total, and just say, yeah, you know, it's probably going to come down to you know that one last game or how you do in November. You and I agree on that, Pete. Let, let me ask you about uh, someone you alluded to, Dorian Singer, leaving for USC. Um, how do you rate Arizona's ability to overcome his loss in the passing game? You know, Jacob Cowan and Tedero McMillan are, are back, and they're both outstanding. But is depth a concern for you? A little bit, because, I mean, you have to automatically assume that the depth is going to have to rise up and that new players come in. As long as Deloria stays in one piece and as long as the system works, uh, you're just going to keep winging it around and then hope that the defense can start to show up a little bit again and uh, start to do a little bit more. But, yeah, you know, obviously you don't get better by losing Singer, but you do have, you know, as long as Colin Silver, he's he's the guy. He's the one who's got the upside to be, you know, the NFL talent where you, you guys saw it, where – yeah, there's your deep threat. There's your playmaker. There's, you know, there's the guy. Uh, but there's 
yes, obviously that really does sting. But uh, again, fortunately, they're starting to build up the depth. They're starting to build up the playmakers. You're starting to get in, you know, a few transfers here and there. Uh, but as long as, you know, you kind of can bounce out, out that offense a little bit, and get a little something out of that defense, it should be okay. Along those same lines, you know, you noted in your uh, your season preview for Arizona that uh, the Wildcats were one and four last season when they threw for over 315 yards, four and one when they ran for over 160 yards. You consider this team's backfield depth, which includes Michael Wiley, who re- decided to return uh, for this season, which is massive for Arizona. Do you think Arizona should be a, a run first team next season? Well, run first, it's kind of weird as I'm doing these previews and I'm kind of seeing like, where, you know, it's not just Arizona, but it's across the board where every, everyone's so pass happy now. Where it's everything is past every, you know, that's obviously where the, you know, the world of these offenses are going now. And it really is amazing that it's either, you know, yardage total or it is uh, yards per carry that really turn out to be the difference, even for the most, you know, pass friendly of teams. Because part of the thing that, that's gotten completely lost in the new era, especially in the, you know, the Pac 12, where everyone's winging it around, especially this year, where you've got all the good quarterbacks who are in the conference this year, time of possession matters. And if you're an Arizona team like Arizona and you might not, you might have a good starting 11, but as you kind of alluded to, the depth might not be there on defense. It is such a big deal to keep that defense on the sideline. So, uh, so part of the problem is some of these high octane, high powered offenses that you want tempo, 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 that's great, but you could also go tempo, 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 go three and out and your offense has been on the field for 14 seconds. So it really was one of those things where, and again, it's across the board. It's it's something that if you run for 140 yards, any of these teams, you're pretty unless you're like a Wisconsin or someone who runs for a living, you're pretty much doing your job. And that's it for for Arizona too. It just is just a little bit of a measure of control over games. And that's one of those things where even if you're not running for 400 yards a game, just as long as you balance it out just a little bit, just to keep it moving, keep your your offense on the field, just give those guys just a little extra rest. That just means the world. All right, Pete, this is kind of a weird question in the middle of talking about Arizona football, but you'll see where I'm going with this. Which do you think is more important these days, recruiting the transfer portal or recruiting high school? You have you have to have, a, obviously, that is a boring answer, a mix of both. I th- but, but, but as we're seeing, though, it really is the transfer portal. And it, it's... I always had a theory. I was, I've never been a fan of recruiting. I, uh, some other time we'll talk about my recruiting stories where I got burned by someone saying, Hey, I'm going to uh, Notre Dame. And then he puts on the Florida state hat and there goes that. Um, but I, I just, I never really, cause it's, there's too many variables. You're still dealing with, you know, really children who haven't matured yet. And so I was always a big fan of the teams that went heavy on Juco players, because at the very least, you know, you got a grown man coming in who, you know, maybe 21, 22, who, you know, has been through the wars, he's hit the you know, college weight rooms. And so, you know, you got now it's a it's, you know, it's like free agency in any other sport where, you know, that if you're bringing in a certain guy, you are filling a hole. And so there's a difference for teams where maybe like a Colorado this year where they just need bodies. They just need, as, as Deion Sanders said, the dogs that he wanted to go get. He, he wanted good players, but he just needed guys to fill out the lineup. And there's a difference between that and then getting to the level where you think, wait, we got, we're like three pieces away. We are a shutdown corner away. We are a right guard away and we're a running back away. And so where you can kind of pick and choose and then go after those guys. So, so if you're in Arizona, for example, you need. You obviously want to build up the guys, but the, it stinks that you build up the guys, and all of a sudden, yoink! Someone else, you know, USC comes along and says, "Hey, look at our NIL money or whatever. You're coming with us." 
Um, and then you want to get to the point where, you know, then you're the one who goes to rate, take that guy from central Michigan, you know, take the, you know, take the playmaker to come in and just find the the guy who might have the talent who might be a little disgruntled and, you know, maybe like a Justin flow who, you know, let's see if he becomes what he was supposed to be at Oregon or Arizona. So uh, it, you have to have a mix of both, but it, at this point, seeing what Arizona has been able to do and seeing how you have wholesale changes, like Cincinnati got a whole new receiving core. You got to be able to nail the, the, uh, the transfer portal. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I, if I was a coaching staff, and and Jed and his and Jed and company had a great weekend as far as getting these commits from twenty twenty four. I think they got like six yesterday, which is awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, like I would be focusing on the transfer portal. You look at like what USC did; they took three players from Arizona. I'm not sure that that was the best roster to pick and choose from, but still, just my next question is: What do you think of Jed Fish? What's your perception of him nationally? And the second part of that question is, and I love to ask this, do you, would you as an Arizona or should I as an Arizona fan be worried that he might be poached at some point if the program continues to succeed? I am. Well, first of all, in general, when it comes to poaching, I, I am not a fan of giving coaches long term contracts just because I it, it always just drives me crazy that all of a sudden a coach goes like three and one with a big win. All of a sudden, up oh, he just added another two years onto his contract. Because all that means is there's bad paper coming. That just because it, it, there's no reason to extend contracts because either the coach rocks and then he either leaves or wants more money or he stinks and then you want to get rid of him. So either way, you just it, there's no reason to, to unnecessarily extend these contracts. So look, yeah, you know, I Mac Brown always had kind of the best line. He's like when he was at Texas and he's he lost his couple defensive coordinators, you know, in two years in a row. He's like, look, we're Texas. We'll find another defensive coordinator. Well, as it turns out he didn't because he defense are distinct but the, the line still kind of holds like if you're arizona and you have your university of arizona and you've got the pieces in place and you've got this program going all right if you lose jed fish that means he's probably awesome and okay go then you find a, the next guy up and the, hope he kind of rocks so uh it is such dumb luck to find head coaches uh who will, who will get the job done but the opinion of him is like yeah he's he's you're going to want more defense out of him at some point. And that's kind of what he was brought in to do is make sure the defense started to rock. But in a short period of time, he took the program from being, you know, just dead in the water to all of a sudden they're, they were fun. They're, they, they're competitive. They can be the UCLA of last year. They could hang around and, you know, you can kind of see the trajectory going up with this program under him. All right, Pete, uh, guess my better judgment. I'm going to dive into the defense here. Um, I want to start by asking about your thoughts on Justin Flo. You know, obviously never reached his potential at Oregon. Why, why should Arizona fans think it's going to be any different in Tucson? Well, you're just hoping. You're, you're ho- I mean, the, ta- the raw talent is there. And, you know, there's a reason why he was such a massive recruit. Uh, staying healthy is one thing and just sort of being able to be consistent is another. Uh, but you just at the very least, you want the guys who can run and have the NFL look like he does. So at the very least, OK, again, it's not I know there's an IL money now, but it's not like the pros where, look, if it doesn't work out, OK. But at the very least, you're at least taking a chance on greatness here, because if it does work and it does click, all of a sudden you got an all pack 12 caliber, you know, NFL guy with NFL tools. So uh, at the very least, you want as many guys it, it, rec- recruiting um, transfer portals, a lot like just recruiting, you know, like it, you get a, get one five star guy doesn't really matter. If you're Georgia and you get like eight five star got, star guys and four of them work out, one and two of them turn out to be OK. Well, you just want as many guys as possible with those sorts of tools and hope it works. All right, my last question for you is in, in your uh, 
preview, you mentioned Takario Davis is potentially a key player for Arizona on defense, but uh, he'll likely be called under a place. Um, Christian Roland Wallace at the cornerback didn't play a lot last season. What are your overall thoughts on him and the Wildcats secondary going into the season? Is the pass rush going to kick in? And it's just one of the, You've got guys there. You've got you've got a nice foursome to start with, but you've got to be able to pressure all these quarterbacks and 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 understand and just realize that in your game plan, you're going to get hit for 300 yards each and every week in the Pac-12. I mean, again, look at these quarterbacks coming into this year. Look at the schedule, and you get what Mississippi State early, which is going to throw the ball 419 times. So you're just going to have to accept that the pass defense numbers aren't going to be all right. Can you come up with third down stops? Can you get enough of a pass rush to get going? And uh, and hopefully that the the talent sort of works out. And uh, also hope that the the depth starts to rise up a little bit. But as, as I'm seeing across the board with all these teams, it, it all correlates. If you don't have a steady pass rush to at least get pressure, usually the secondary stink. And the teams that are rocking and rolling with great pass rushes turn out the secondary all of a sudden looks great because just obviously it's just a lot more, uh, uh, a lot less time for the quarterbacks to roll. All right. A couple more for you, Pete. First of all, uh, which conference will Arizona be in, in 2024? I love asking this question. I, I flip a coin in my book, but what do you say? Let me flip it to you first and then I'll give you my answer as, as the bad podcast guest where I ask a question to the end. All which, right, I would... what, what do you want? What as an Arizona fan, what do you want? Which conference would you like? Assuming that they let's assume for a moment that the Pac-12 doesn't like that the, the Big Ten or the SEC don't wake up and take Arizona or Oregon and uh um Washington and, uh, Washington. And let's assume that the Big 12 is blowing smoke, which is kind of my answer here, and they're not getting Colorado or Utah. And let's say the Pac-12 stays together. What would you prefer? Shane, I'll let you start. Uh well Eric Eric's actually convinced me Big Twelve uh, just because can you how can you much can you really consider the Pac twelve a Power Five conference going forward I mean it's barely in the in the conversation as it is and then you take away USC and UCLA uh, on the football side I like I love it for men's basketball too but obviously that doesn't uh, pay the bills but on the football side I think Big Twelve would be the the more secure. Uh, long-term investment for Arizona. All right. So the one thing that somebody has convinced me is that academics matter and the AAU (laughs) and the PAC 12 has a bunch of those schools and the big 12 doesn't from a competitive standpoint of who would I rather go as a season ticket holder in paying to see these random teams, I would rather watch the big 12. So from that perspective, I would say big 12, but the academics now that I think about it does play a role still lean big 12, but, and so what do you say from there? I, I'm not getting. I'm, I'm not going to go down this road. But remember that politics are going to matter too when it comes to where where Arizona and say Arizona State and like a Colorado and how that leans into the whole Big Twelve country. But really, try to think of it more instead of teams. Instead of because the money's going to turn out to be the same, if not better, for the Pac-12 in the long run. Here's my problem with the Big Twelve. One, I think they're really expansion operates in silence. You don't, you didn't, you didn't, nobody knew. I mean, the guys in my little sewing circle, nobody, nobody had USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. That wasn't, that was just airtight. Same with Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, everybody thought, okay, maybe Oklahoma, but no way for Texas to go to the SEC. The te- Texas to the Big Ten made the most sense in every way. To your point, academics, size wise. And the thing about expansion more than anything else is markets. 
And my problem with the Big 12, especially for an Arizona, look at the Big 12 as it's not, as it's going to be configured going into next year. Who's the anchor tenant at the mall? Who's the biggest program in the Big 12? And I got yelled at by like a bunch of Texas E fans from TCU and other places for saying this, but is BYU the big, I mean, internationally, and is BYU your biggest program in the Big 12 in terms of fan bases and stuff going into next year? I mean, because remember, remember how this kind of works. The Big 10 got the University of Maryland, University of Nebraska, Penn State University, the State University of New Jersey with Rutgers. They go for the University of that, as opposed to state, as opposed to being like, okay, what do you got if, if the Big 12 going forward, who's their big Texas school? Okay, great. They got TCU and Texas Tech and Baylor and Houston. They don't got Texas. They don't got Texas A&M. So they don't really have a market there. So really your big markets are what? Kansas City, you know, kind of Dallas, kind of Orlando, which, you know, okay. So you don't have the markets, which forgetting that nobody in San Francisco and the Bay Area really cares about college football, there's the fourth largest media market in the country. Uh, the greater Phoenix Scottsdale area is what the sixth or seventh largest mm-hmm. in the country, Seattle. If you get San Diego state right on down, I think they end up getting UNLV. If they at least get SMU, they're talking about at least they got a footprint in the Dallas market. So in the long run, yes, academic academically, you absolutely would much rather be associated with Cal and Stanford and the PAC 12. than you know, now the big 12, which not to school shame here, but Texas was by far the best academic institution there. Now it's gone. So who, who are your university ofs in the, in the Big 12? University of Kansas, University of West Virginia. So if Arizona goes there, Arizona's the biggest, biggest thing going there. And yeah. is Arizona the draw? Not really. So a long-winded way to answer your question. I think the Pac-12 sort of has it. And the other thing to remember is we're not talking about a lot of money here. We're to, like Jalen Hurts, his agent, would have completely blown off how much like each of these Pac-12 and Big 12 schools get paid a year for a year. for You can't buy an NFL starting quarterback for what these colleges are getting paid per year in media rights. So in the world of sports business, you're going to be talking about maybe, what, $32 million a year for the Big 12, where as opposed to maybe 31-ish to, to potentially 35. So again, if I'm Arizona... I think that they are going to be in the Pac-12, but I think it's not about Colorado. I think the Big 12 talks a big game. The Big 12 is barking, barking, barking because they want to look big. I don't necessarily think – until it happens, I don't think they're getting Colorado or Utah. They they probably will five minutes after we're off this podcast, (laughs) but that would be kind of big. And this only changes if the Big 10 or the SEC decide to go coast to coast and somewhere and go Oregon and Washington take those two away. That was a great answer, and I know that there will be some people that listen to this that will disagree, but I think a lot of people will actually agree because, I mean, that that's kind of where the realization that I've come to lately. As much as it pains me with the basketball, the enticing basketball part of it, that would be fun, and the, the random football opponents, BYU is a huge draw in Arizona. Uh, I mean, that would be a big deal, but nonetheless. Well, who's bigger, right. oh, here's the thing. Who's bigger than Washington? Who's bigger than Oregon, Utah? And again, you know, again, you got the Denver market, you've got the Seattle market, you got the Portland market. The markets are bigger. So that's what you're thinking about in expansion. And Arizona, and, and I'm shocked also that the Big Ten hasn't figured out, go get the, the Phoenix market and get Arizona, Arizona State, expand your footprint there. Natural rivals for, the, for uh, USC and UCLA. Oh my God, if that happened, Arizona would never win another football game again. 
Uh, yeah, but you'd make 70, 70 gajillion dollars, million dollars a year. Would so. it be worth it to watch your teams lose? Shane and I would have nothing to talk about. You know about. what? That is that is a that is a factor. And that is one of those things where that's why, like, for example, the SEC didn't go to an, a, a nine-game schedule. Because uh, remember, in, in 2020, when they played an all-SEC schedule, only four of the 14 teams had a winning record in the regular right. season. And you don't want to be an Ole Miss and every year go four and six. You know, that's just no fun. So that is a that is a concern. Absolutely. We have it bad enough now in the Pac-12. Can you imagine in the in the Big Ten, Arizona would win like two games on a yearly basis. I mean, seriously, it, it would remember, be bad. And remember also these things flip. Remember when, if you're old enough to remember that like the Big Eight, when it turned into the Big 12, it was like, oh my God, look at the Big 12 North. It was Nebraska and Colorado and Kansas State. Like, how is anybody going to survive in that division? The, the South's the weak link with Oklahoma and Texas. And not, I mean, these things flip fast. Right. So. My my last thing is here. You know, I I work in sports betting. I love to read up on a lot of stuff. College football, my favorite sport to bet. And I will say this to everybody listening out there. I go every week and I read through dozens of game previews, thanks to Pete Futek at collegefootballnews.com. How do you do it, Pete? How do you write, I mean, what, 50-plus college previews on a weekly basis, plus other articles, plus a betting column, plus bowl prediction? How do you do it? What else is there to do? I mean, I have <laughs> dad with kids, and like this is what I do. No, it's it, it's yeah, it's just speed at this point. Plus, I have a lot of help. I got a lot of guys who feed in, and girls who help me feed in, and uh, uh, help the help the cause and do all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but it's certainly not breaking rocks. You know, I've been doing this for twenty five years now, crazily enough. So it's kind of just a robotic machine at this point. But uh, um, soon, you know, maybe chat GBT will start writing these things for me if they can actually get, you know, some of the stats right. But uh, for now, no, it's still fun. It's still great. And uh, uh, yeah, I hope you were with me because I, I, I've never had an all-time heater like I did in bas- college basketball. Oh, yeah. Year. So I hope, you, hope you were on that one with me. But uh, football, if we get the get the fifty six percent a year, that's a that's a great year. So I'll take that any day. Collegefootballnews.com. It helps me make money in the fall. Hey, Shane, you saw what I did last year in, in picks mm. against you. You know where I got some picks from? Just yeah, saying. You know what they say about the blind squirreler. Yes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Look, and, and that's, everybody always says, well, give me your best picks for the week. I mean, it doesn't work like that. Basically, if you take all my picks and go with them, you will be up. But that's boring. Everyone takes wants to take like four picks in parlay, and parlay, and they yell at me for getting them wrong. So I'm the parlay king over here. Thanks again, Pete, for joining us. Great stuff. Great to talk to you. Have a good I'm one. sure we'll have you on again now. Uh, one of these times. Appreciate it. Anytime. You have a good one. Always great to talk to Pete Futak once again. Uh, just great info from him, and, and really some good opinions on that Pac-12, Big 12 discussion, Shane. Interesting stuff, and it's kind of interesting how you and I have kind of flipped. You know, you were trying to sell me on the Big 12, and I was like, no, I think Pac-12, they should stay here because I'm more of a status quo guy, and now we're kind of on the other sort of on the other side of the fence. You know, I'm all in on the Big 12, and you're like, oh, after seeing the academic stuff, I don't know. So it's funny how things change over the course of a few months. Yes, I. it, it is funny, but a lot can happen uh, this offseason. All right, so San Diego State left the Mountain West. Um, they think they can they, – they pretty much said to the Mountain West, hey – we, we want to leave. We don't have anywhere to go. So we just kind of like keep us on hold. And the Mountain West saying, all right, bye. You said you're out. So yeah. that, that counts as a goodbye. And they're saying, no, we're, we're just trying to explore our options. So what happens to San Diego State in your opinion? Uh, where do they go? Um, I Probably Pac-12. I think that makes the most sense uh, yeah. with USC and UCLA. If the Pac-12 
uh, stays as it is with the 10 teams still intact. And I think San Diego state comes to, to the Pac-12. I think that makes the most sense um, academically in terms of football, in terms of men's basketball, you know, Arizona already has kind of a rivalry with them. They played them back to back years in football. They play them in men's basketball all the time. They met in the NCAA tournament back in uh, Aaron Pete, Gordon by the season. way, at college football news has Arizona, San Diego state uh, in the bowl game is, is his projection mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, he also mentioned UNLV to the Pac-12, which I've been saying, and we haven't mm-hmm. read anywhere else. I think it makes a ton of sense with that Vegas market and that stadium. It, it, Vegas market is exploding. You know, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like Phoenix, like you know, twenty years ago. Like it's just now like becoming like this big metropolitan area. It's not just yeah. about the strip and about gambling and everything. It's it, it's a lot of people are are raising families there, and you're seeing that now with the hockey and football and soon baseball, major league baseball coming to to Las Vegas. So it makes it that would make a ton of sense in terms of TV markets. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, it, I, listen, I'm all for it, especially with that stadium. I mean, can you imagine playing in that all the time? That'd yeah. be awesome. Uh, so Jed Fish had a really good week. Arizona got a ton of commits. Uh, the big one was Keona Wilhite from South Point. And the reason that one's big, he's a defensive line prospect, a good three-star player, good stuff. I think three or four-star player. But he's teammates with Elijah Rushing, who is right. the eighth best player in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. Arizona's right there in his recruiting. I mean, you know, obviously they're right down the street. If you land rushing, it's the biggest recruit in program history. That's big. But my favorite recruit, Shane, I always say if I was a college coach, the first position I would recruit is a kicker slash punter. And they got a guy named Michael Salgado Medina, who was rated as a five-star kicking prospect per the Chris Saylor uh, kicking rankings, which are like the top ones. Uh, Someone's got to rank the kickers, right? Somebody's got to rank the kicker. Chris Saylor used to play for UCLA. Now he runs these kicking camps and such. I am so excited that we finally recruited a kicker among everything else. And three guys, additionally from Glendale, Apollo, keeping some in-state guys in there. Really impressive uh, Jedfish. Well, and Salgano Medina, he's a kicker and a punter. Uh, and I, uh, like you, perfect. I love it. I love it. I love that Arizona finally has a strong special teams uh, battery, for lack of a better term, You know, with Tyler Loop and Kyle Ostendorp, uh, you know, both pretty reliable guys. Loop, not a lot of drama. And now they might have found the successor for both guys in one player. Uh, and look, as as we know very well, having a solid kicker could be the difference between a five-win season and a six- and seven-win season. It could it could be the difference in a bowl game this year for Arizona. Yep. You know, yep. There's a good chance Tyler Loop is going to be called on to make a big kick late in the game uh, in one of these games, or the opposing team's kicker is going to be called on to make a bit. And whether they make it or miss it could be the difference between whether Arizona goes to a, a bowl game for the first time since uh, what, 2017 or, or, or they, or they go another year without one. So, and it's just, that's not hyperbole for a team like this. It could be that it could be that big. So I'm glad to see Arizona placing the emphasis on that position because it should never ever be placed uh, on the back burner. And yep, like I said, Arizona landed at least six commit uh, six commits on Monday. They also just landed a, they flipped a, um, a four-star wide receiver who was originally committed, I think, to Washington. Um, and now Arizona, you're just looking at 2024. Arizona is now tied, at last I looked, and it's probably changed since then. They're now tied for 41st in rivals team recruiting rankings for 24. Right. And obviously that's very early, but that nearly matches the ranking of number 40 in rivals team rankings for 23. And look, if Arizona can maintain that 40-ish range, and th- there's no reason to, to think that you know they do that and they, they continue to land some, some decent transfers, there's no reason to think they can't they could become the kind of team they became briefly from roughly 2008 to 2015. Yeah. That perennial bowl team with the potential to compete for a conference title maybe once every few years. Yeah, this is a depth class. This is not, I mean, if they get rushing, it's one thing, but this is a class that's going to fill out the roster. This is not where you're going to have star players like a T-Mac. Now that's, you know, if you get rushing, 
and then throw out everything I just said. But just just, you know, based on what I have read about this class, and I'm sure we'll have the professor Matt Moreno on at some point to to break this stuff down. All right. Shane, a couple of trivia questions for you uh, off the bat, just since you know your Arizona football ish. All right. Number one, uh, do you remember the last opponent that Arizona played in a bowl game? 2017, it was Purdue, was it not? Purdue in, in yeah. San Francisco. Very it was a good. great right. game. They lost, but it was a great game. It was a great game. Rich Rod's last game uh, yep. at Arizona, actually. All right, number two, do you remember in 2009 when College Game Day made its first appearance at Arizona? Do you remember who the guest picker was? Oh, oh, uh, was it Amanda Beard? Amanda Beard, who is now uh, has joined the uh, swimming staff at Arizona, as as announced today. So I didn't see ad- that. That's awesome. Yeah. Amanda Beard is now working on the on the swim staff for for Arizona, which is it's huge. I mean, this is an Olympic Olympic gold medalist who, uh, you know, is back in the fold. Um, she's going to be an assistant coach, a seven time Olympic medalist. Um, and I mean, this is this is great exposure for a Wildcat swim team. So we cover everything here in Wildcat country. We wanted to point that out. And then finally, Shane, I would be remiss if I didn't say I know how you feel about the Suns, but. Simon says championship, at least mm-hmm. it didn't Tucson. Yeah. Will it say that in downtown Phoenix as Arizona or as the Suns have hired Miles Simon as an assistant coach? Yeah, you know how cynical I am about the Suns. Been a fan. They're my first sports love. Been a fan since 88, 89 with Kevin Johnson and Tom Chambers and those guys. And I just got used to having my heart broken over and over. So I'm very cynical about that. But I will say this. If Miles Simon becomes the guy to help bring Arizona its first men's basketball title and bring the Suns their first NBA title. He'll be number one on my Mount Rushmore of everything. And that includes Mount Rushmore itself. Get George Washington's head out of there and replace it with Miles Simon's. Um, and we should try to get Miles on the show in the near future. It'd be fun to talk to him about that. Um, but uh, it's a good, good signing. I remember also, um, I mean, I was at the game, but I watched it after the fact because it was so exciting. Um, he called the, uh, remember that Arizona Florida game with Dave yeah. Pash when Arizona came back, came back down, uh, down six in the last minute. So uh, happy for miles. And if Deandre Aiden sticks around, hopefully he'll uh, help be able to bond with him as a former Wildcat and get his, uh, get his rearing gear. On the 30th anniversary of the John Paxson shot that deflated the Suns oh, in the finals the it, first time. Sorry, Shane, just had to point that out. No, Maybe Miles Simon turns things around along with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker for the Phoenix Suns. Hey, we cover it all here on Wildcat Country. Mm. Thanks to Pete Futak for joining us. Great interview. Really enjoyed talking with him. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks, as always, for listening. And once again, bear down. Bear down.